hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this episode, I chat with my amazing co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, about articulation and some saxophone fundamentals. We also check out a new recording from the Nexus Saxophone Quartet, featuring a whole bunch of cool tangos. And if you have a question for the podcast, be sure to reach out. You can email us, wally at thesaxophoneacademy.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. That's up to you. Okay. Well, it's my daughter's 18th birthday oh. today, so... Happy birthday. I know. My daughter's an adult today. Which is... It's exciting. It is exciting that you had a daughter yeah. when you were five years old. Uh, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> it is a beautiful summer day, Soup. It is. And it it's is, a great I mean, day, day It's morning. It's Monday morning when we're... It is. It's certainly not of course. the previous Thursday. No, we would never... Never. No. Always fresh. Pre-record, Just yeah. like our coffee. Yes. So, Sue, so what's going on? You've got a... Let's start off with a playing topic. A playing topic. Now, you're about to give a boot camp to young people. Yeah, I've got to do a fundamentals for middle schoolers kind oh of presentation an hour. And I was, you know, starting to do some brainstorming for that and trying to prepare because you don't really want to show up in front of young students completely and utterly unprepared. I Okay. <laughs> Well, look at you, Miss Judgy. Okay. No, <laughs> I know what you mean. That is my way, you know. Well, I, I was a middle school band prepared. director for years. I know, years, so, so you know what I'm talking about. So it's almost like I don't have to prepare to make cereal. I just do it. It's the same thing with that, with beginning saxophonist. You know, right. <laughs> get your teeth off the reed, Johnny. <laughs> well, I But thought, you deal with a higher level student more often, so. Yeah, so. You have to think you know, about that. Well, and also, I'm, you know, I'm a special guest presenter, so I don't want to, it's not like I see them every day and I can make up for the stupid thing I said the previous day. I have to actually not say stupid things. You say that, but I'm, I'm living proof that it's fine. It's fine? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to stop Yeah, and then when and someone says, well, well, Dr. Wally said, like, you misquoted me. I never <laughs> said that, you know? Well, yeah, and they all But now it's up on did. YouTube, resting on service for the whole world to see my nonsense. Wait. So what are, what are you going to try to get across to these youths? Well, I'm going to see, I, I guess I got to check in with them and see how they're playing. I don't know what the level's going to be, but middle school here means they've been playing a year, two, three at the most. Yeah. So you're talking pretty much beginner well, level. Yeah, and if you're talking about an eighth grader, you're talking about an eighth grader that probably hasn't played in two and a half months. And that too, right, because they took the summer off yeah, at it's least. Be- and then we're, you know, I'm, I keep saying, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic, but boy, I'm looking at the numbers these days wondering, are we coming out of it? But anyway. La, 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 I'm not know. listening to you, Sue. La, 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 my kids will be going back to school in the what? fall. La, la, yes, la, la, kids la, going- la, la, la. Okay. So they're also coming off a year when they may not have even had band last year. I know. So anyway, so, so I think the first thing I should do, Tell me if you think I'm wrong. Is just make sure they're playing on decent equipment. Yeah. Well, because I don't if, know what if they'll you be can control on. that. Yeah. You know, here's this is a tough thing. Yeah. Um. You know, you can get on Amazon, and I, my family, you, we use Amazon. You know, we sent Bezos to space single handedly. Yeah. My family <laughs> with our Amazon purchases. Nicely um, done. And so, like, you know, if I were a parent thinking like, well, if I need a musical instrument, I, I get my my vacuum and. Some I get everything else of, on why Amazon. Not? Yeah. yeah, you can get these like you know these very poorly made. Yes, they're made in China. Not everything made in China is bad. No, so of course not. I'm kind of tired, and I want to get away from this cheap Chinese horns. Right, because that it's we don't need to be speaking like that. Right, uh, nationalistically, but right. in, inevitably because that's where the manufacturing capital of the world seems to be these right. days. They're made in China. Someone puts a stamp on it. They don't stand behind it, and they're very. Some of them are very very poorly made. Right, and so but if that's all the family can afford, I. You know, what yeah. you, how do you address that? Right, exactly. I'm thinking more um, also mouthpieces 
and reeds and ligatures. And there's pretty inexpensive stuff you can get that works fine for a beginner. Right. You know, we talked about the Yamaha... Is it the four C? Four C's great. It's just a perfectly great yeah. cheap mouthpiece. So I remember when I was in my twenties and I was first giving saxophone lessons, and you know the student was biting or they were doing all kinds of weird stuff, and it was you know weeks as a new teacher. I don't know why I was so dumb about this. It would occur to me, well maybe I should actually see what they're playing on and try it. And they would be playing on some reed that was. Yeah. Just either too hard or completely broken and some mouthpiece and that just didn't play at all. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make a sound on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I wish I had checked that day one. So I thought I should at least check in with these kids and see what they're playing on. Um, I'm only going to be with them for two two mornings. Yeah. So there isn't time for me to like, you know, order mouthpieces and all that. That's a series three, Johnny. Let's go ahead and get her supreme. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So beyond equipment, like. What's you got I two think, mornings? Yeah, which means- I thought. Well, let's make sure they all can play a decent long tone, and then let's check their tonguing, and that's a good place to start with fundamentals. And I was wondering because there are a lot of different ways that people teach beginners to tongue, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what's the best way. You know, I usually tell them, you know, say "ooh," put the mouthpiece in your mouth. You know, get your teeth on that's the. That's a good top. place to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Teeth on the top of the mouthpiece. Get your lower International lip. soloist Susan Fancher, everyone. The mouthpiece goes in your mouth. It goes in your mouth. Yeah. It'll blow in the right end. i got to put that on a poster. Yeah. But, you know, then, like, how to tongue. Some people will just say, just it's just like you're going, do, do, do. Like you're going two, 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 but not yeah. vocalizing. And some people use do, do, do. And some people are very specific <laughs> about <laughs> tip of the mouthpiece or tip of the reed to yeah. the tip of the tongue. And, you know, Hemke taught us to tongue on the top of our tongue, not on the very tip, but on the tip of the reed. And I get students coming in, they tongue, mm-hmm. you know, on the reed about a quarter inch in, but with the tip of the tongue. So what's the easiest way to get them tonguing decently if they're not? Hopefully they are. Yeah. Maybe they are. So I was taught that, you know, you start the note by saying ta. Yes. Um, but when we say ta, a whole lot of song surface of the is touching the roof of the mouth. Oh, yeah. And when you apply ta to your saxophone reed, you get, well, the sixth grader articulation. Yeah. So no wonder. Ta, 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 it's a big, yeah. thuddy tongue. And it's one of the most common things we have to fix in yeah. uh, beginning students and adult learners that yes. are learning how to yeah, articulate. Yeah, yeah, So I break it. I'm starting to do this now. Now, granted... Since I've been doing this more with adult learners, I haven't tried this with sixth graders yet. I've ruined a whole lot of sixth graders. <laughs> so those kids, I don't know where they're probably they're probably engineers now. They're probably doing great. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so I, I I kind of reverse what they know in saying, like, remember the tongue does not start the sound. The tongue stops the sound. Ah. So it's what I do is I have them hold a comfortable note. Yeah. And then add and release the tongue, experimenting with how little tongue surface can touch the reed before the sound stops while still blowing. So I'm gonna That's blow great. In, I'm going to blow into the microphone, so yeah. this is going to get real weird. It's going to be weird. So I have to <laughs> blow in, and then just add the tongue, but keep doing less and less tongue until right. you almost get a subtone. Right. And then, okay, add a tiny bit more, and I will show them. Obviously, you can't see my hands because this is a podcast. Right. right. <laughs> but my FBI agent, Larry, how you doing, pal? He can see us. <laughs> or maybe it's NSA. I don't know. I don't I've named know. him Larry. So I, I show okay, them, Larry. you know, the, the the tongue not touching anything but the sliver right. of the reed. And so I experiment until it goes, ha, ha, and keep the air pressure going. Right. And eventually, I have them do less, 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 less until you hear, ha, and like, all right. 
well, now we've, we've reached that point right. where that's almost okay. Right. And so it's amazing. With adult learners, you can see the light bulb go off when you say the tongue does not start the sound. It stops the sound. Right. So we add the tongue to ah, end. Because it does. It stops the vibration It ends of the, the previous reed, note. Literally, yes. And then if we have back pressure, we remove the tongue that right. starts it. Which, so just having them add and release their tongues with getting rid of the yeah. Sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, oh, that's a great suggestion. If I had a time machine, yeah. uh, back when I was teaching middle school band many moons ago. Well, not that long ago, because <laughs> I'm a very young man. Yes, you um, yeah. <laughs> You know what it reminds me of is this organ tone, he called it, um, that Londex would have us do, where he'd have us keep the pressure, and we'd, you know, play a note and then put the tongue back on the reed, but keep blowing as if you're... Uh-huh. I don't know why our eardrums didn't blow up, <laughs> but, you know, duh. Da, yes, and that's the thing da, is that people... You call them like you're pushing the key on an organ and releasing and it. And in jazz, that is critical, having the back pressure of air. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm trying to get my students to do. I have a YouTube video. If you Google um, Big Tone Dr. Wally, you'll find All right. the video. All right. Yeah, spell that very carefully. Uh, otherwise, you get a, a strange Some video, weird things. Yeah, I don't want to know about it. But, but another anyway, thing you can do is air, air attacks. Do yeah. air attacks and then have them then articulate... Because it's that first one that's kind of hard to do, but get them to feel what it feels like to air to mm-hmm. to do the articulation after the air is already going, going uh, and then, and then ta, stop. Ta, ta. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the function of the tongue; it's not to start. It's not. Yeah. And I think so I many people, including I won't admit how old I was when I realized like the tongue is not a hammer hitting a bell. Right. You know, but as young people, I thought like we tongue to start the sound as if our tongue were slapping the reed and that gets the old thing of vibrating. That's how we get those really lousy initial attacks mm. on the saxophone. So think about the air starting the sound. Right, the and the tongue, tongue just defines it. Just kind defines of. it yeah. by letting it like a floodgate that opens instantly, rather yeah. than a trickle. You know. Okay, I'm going to work on that. Well, I'm happy to help international yes. soloist Susan Fancher. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so that, that <laughs> kind of um, I find that really helpful. Just adding and releasing the tongue while keeping the back pressure. Yeah. Um, and in jazz specifically, because we we need an independence of air and tongue. Yeah. A lot of people, when they tongue, they want to go, two, two, two. They want to push the air with the tongue. Yeah, and the air starts afresh. Yes. Each one, it's terrible. And we need to make them independent like a like a violin bow. You know what I mean? Right. The fingers change, but the bow right. keeps going air, and you can change directions and still have that intensity of sound. So we need, an, we need an independence of air and tongue, but I find so many beginning players, and some not so beginning, mm. the tongue and the airstream are always interlocked. And yes. we need that independence. Great. So, so there. A, there you go. Now everything is fixed and the sun will shine and children will... Yeah. Yeah, right. The so, other thing I was looking for, Wally, was some really easy um, pieces to play with young students so we could all play together. And it's not that easy. Are you not having your sixth graders play Denisov? No, not this time. Oh, okay. So throw some decent Denise off in front of them. They'll but be fine. I'm going to get some saxophone, alto saxophone duos and just see if yes. I can find some really simple duos. And playing with them and letting them hear yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Doo-doo. Anyway, so that's going to be fun. Yeah. Thanks for the tips. Um, that's what I'm here for. So I, that <laughs> leads into a question. Um, Uli, one of my uh, students, was asking hmm. about... Um, subtone, and he said, listening to you play some oh. examples on the YouTubes and, and your instructional videos, I hear sometimes it sounds like you're starting with a breath attack, or like, especially in the low notes. I don't always do a... No. Sometimes a... Right. Especially in the low D, so you don't hear the honk on my tenor. Um, <laughs> it's probably a leak. It's definitely not me. But Tenor's tough. That leaves... So there are times, plenty of times in jazz, where I will do a breath attack. Yeah. And multiple... Um, Situations. What about classical? So, 
Does articulation always mean tonguing, Sue? Ha, there's a loaded question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I there are situations in classical music when we'll do a breath attack when it's really quiet, mm-hmm. but not. I think probably less often than in jazz. I think I use a, a breath attack, especially in the low register, more in jazz than I would in classical. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we do it sometimes. I and think there's I'll lots argue of different. It's still a yeah. type of articulation. It is. It's how we well, if you yeah, if you say it like that, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So articulation, absolutely. we we have it as synonymous with tongue, but not not always. Well, we tongue in a lot of different ways. You know, you think about you might go ta 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 or ta da 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 mm-hmm. or la 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 kind of lot of different ways to articulation. A million ways to start yeah. the note. Yeah, and right. even like when we're speaking, there are consonants that are hard mm-hmm. and some that are soft, right? And so it's kind of like that. Yeah. So, Uli, I do quite often begin, especially in the lower end, mainly because I'm more rooted into the, the, the mid-century tradition of jazz. The more modern guys will give a very crisp tongue to almost everything. Ah, okay. uh, the New York, The New York scene, where they like that kind of post-bop, kind of harsher, not harsh, that's, that's or, another Or clarity or something. Uh, clarity, it's say, a, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a more forceful. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I prefer to, you know... Soften up the low end a little bit mm-hmm. at times if I'm mimicking the mid-century sound. So then a breath attack is completely a valid way to start the note once you already have your articulation clearly defined and well, you know, yeah. practice. And make sure you know how to do just a da on a low note down there or yes. a breath attack that just gets the pitch. A lot of times we all scoop in a little bit with that subtone yeah. too. That's a jaw movement. Yeah. And I will say sometimes when I'm playing ballads in jazz, I will start even an upper note with a he. Kind of articulation to kind of soften the attack when I don't want to talk. Right. But, uh, yeah. I will sometimes use a breath attack up top as well just to add a different color to the yeah. palette. Yeah. Play so, around with it. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I do do subtones and I do not tongue every note right. all the time. Here's the thing I it's one of those things where if you listen to enough jazz, you'll find yourself subconsciously doing it. Right. So, you'll just copy. Which is why I. Don't teach duden tonguing. Have you ever heard? You may not have ever heard duden I've tonguing. heard of it, but I, I've never worked I don't, on it. I don't. There are times when, in um, reverse engineering, what I do when I tongue ghosted notes in bop style, mm. where sometimes my tongue will lightly get near the reed to right. kind of choke off the sound for the duden d dot, the n syllable. But I don't like to have too many things being thought of. Like if you're playing right. tennis, you might very well uh, engage your. Uh, left quadriceps by you know what I mean, but like we don't right. want them thinking that, right? So I think if you if you listen enough, these things start to happen without you thinking about them. Yes. Oh, I think there's a lot of stuff the body just figures out how mm. to do. I want to make this sound. What do I have to do to make it? And you just like play around. It's like that even with your tone, right? Yes, absolutely. You just like if you you the first way the first step to having a great tone is to imagine what you want to sound like. And try to figure out how to sound like that. That's even beyond, yeah, beyond the tongue mechanics of articulation, having the the image of what you want. Yeah. Having the mold to pour your talent into and your ideas and your thoughts. So, like you said, bringing duets to play with those students is, I can't think of anything better. Having them hear how a good articulated tone is supposed to sound. Yeah, and, you know, I find that, you know, even with my older students, sometimes that instead of me blabbing on about do this, do that, do this other thing, if we just play together... They just automatically start to copy mm-hmm. my sound and my phrasing. <laughs> sometimes I copy theirs instead, <laughs> which is good sometimes and not good sometimes. But anyway, and, and I always say I 
I don't want to be that teacher where all of my students sound like me. But I always say, but, you know, if somebody's not sounding great, it's not an awful place to start. <laughs> I was thinking like, you know, like, well, I really want to sound like, then why are you studying with me, Larry? Right. Like, like, well, I really want to sound like this. Well, then go study with that guy. Who's not taking students? Well, then shut up, Larry. You know? <laughs> Poor Larry. He's getting a, a lot so of I'll go, back to, I'll go back to Jared. <laughs> Jared. Because I don't have any students named Larry or Jared. Oh, I may have a Larry. It's not you, Larry, if I do have... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I mean, let's move on, Molly. Yeah. So, we could go down yeah. that rabbit hole for a long Listening time. and then understanding the mechanics <laughs> yeah. of the tongue is stopping yeah. the sound. But this was great that the student's asking you about how you're getting that sound that you're doing yeah. in the low register. That's and awesome. And I don't want to talk about it too much. Not because I don't want to, like, yeah. share my secrets. But I think you just kind of freed yeah. him up to, like, try some stuff, and that's cool. Right. And so the body will, and it, I find that I do things that my teacher was abhorred at. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, sometimes when I'm decrescendoing, I'll, oh man, I'm do that thing with your jaw, right? Yeah. Well, I will push my bottom lip up with my tongue to dampen more of the reed. Gotcha. And he's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Why I was not? Like, well, it sounded good, right? Yeah, yeah, but Rousseau didn't teach me that, you know. And like, oh. well, that, well, then by God, I should throw my saxophone in the fire. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of dogma in our teaching, but uh, it think, allowed me to decrescendo yeah. to niente. Niente, which is niente. lovely. Yeah, and like you said, if you're going to start niente, uh, which means nothing. Nothing. Nothing, yep. and then crescendo into that. And there's almost niente attacks in the Jenny Watson piece, isn't there? Oh, you could. Yeah. And Absolutely. there you would maybe and start with a gentle sneak breath attack. Yeah. So You could do that. Oh, yeah. That would be practice. lovely. You yeah. don't want to just like try it on the spot on no, stage. No, you have to practice them. But you know, air attacks are a great way to check your embouchure and Ooh, make yes. sure you're not biting. Because if you're biting, you can't do an air attack. It the, won't work. Yeah. I don't think so. Anyway. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Larry, Somebody's going to figure rip. it out. Yeah. <laughs> but Don't it send also, me a clip. I don't want to hear it. it. It ensures that you're actually using enough air pressure to make the tone work and that you're not using the tongue as a crutch. I like that of doing, uh, doing a, as clear of a breath attack as you yeah, can. Then as adding can. the tongue to stop it, yeah. keeping the air pressure, then releasing the tongue. Yeah. That's a good... It's a great way to work on initial attacks. Yeah, let's write a book. Okay. Um, I mean, we'll make it free for everyone. But, yeah. Because... Yeah. No, we won't. Because that's who we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of free, you yes. recorded our free work for everyone. Yay, so I did. Thank you, Huge thanks to Key Leaves. <laughs> yes. Who sponsored this work. We've talked about their products on numerous of the yes. podcasts. Uh, we're fans of the products, which is why I, I reached out to Roland Brown, the owner, and I said, we want to start commissioning works, not for us, but for everyone, where they can go and download yeah. it for free. Yeah. Um, and Roland Brown, the owner of Key Leaves, was like, done and done. I want in on this. Yeah, so cool. Um, and actually, it was, I full disclosure, I reached out to Rulon. I was like, I have no idea how much to ask for sponsors for money. Here's my project. Yeah. And because Rulon's a friend. And he yeah. said, no, 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 no. I want in on this. Cool. And so then he got me a check for $2 million. No. No, <laughs> no but she bad. said, I want to sponsor this. This is something really important. And I love this idea because he wants to get back on board on the second saxophone craze. You know, because yeah. it's the 20s again. It's time for a second it's saxophone craze. It's the 20s craze. again. So um, Jenny Watson wrote Enveloped. I will put a link in the show notes. You can go download it for free because we commissioned it for everyone. Yep. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of music and you just released. It's not the debut recording. We're going to talk about no. the gentleman that kind of, I think, had firsties on the recording. Yep. Uh, Andrew Smith. Yeah. But, but we recorded um, you doing it and your video was up on YouTube. It's up on the Facebooks. Yes. Um, you have not clipped it up for Instagram yet. I haven't. No. But I will I put will. a link in the show notes of Sue performing Jenny Watson's Enveloped on YouTube. Now having recorded it and released it. Any yeah. any thoughts on the piece for 
Well, the piece the piece is going to be so useful for so many situations. Mm-hmm. I just I love that it's got these two movements. They belong together, of course. But my opinion is you could play that first movement for a church service or, you know, a wedding. The second one would be fine for... Actually, you could use that for a skipping out of the church kind of postlude. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really... I generally I, sprint I, out of churches because <laughs> of the burning sensation, but yes. Well, or, you know, whatever situation. Right. You could play it outdoors so in the summer on your When you're porch. running out of your own wedding or... Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Runaway bride. <laughs> you know, so it's. A, I love that it's a useful piece, that it's beautiful to listen to. It's fun to play. Yes. It's fun to practice. So, Wally, you were so nice to record it for me. You did the audio recording, but you also made this really cool video that goes with it. And I think that is really makes it really fun. And then my husband, Mark Engerbretson, mm-hmm. created um, Challenge Accepted on the Forest Sound. So he did a nature Do you know where soundtrack. he got those sounds? Um, he found them on his computer somewhere, I think. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'll ask him. Yeah. I don't know. He said, hey, what about these sounds? I'm like, it sounds great. No, so like, Jimmy did intend for that to yeah. have the option of adding nature you sounds. You don't so, have to do it so that way. So your husband, Mark Engelbertson, added nature sounds. Yeah. And he very kindly um, took the raw audio that I recorded. Which was beautiful, by the way. He said, he's when he did some mastering and he sent it to me, and he was, he's so, you know, kind of humble. He said, um, well, you know, if you like Wally's sound better, you know, I'm not going to be offended. That's fine. He said, because, you know, it's, Sound was really good. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm so, doing. So, well, you did I, a really I mashed good buttons, job. So it sounds well, like recording. you recordings. did some good mashing. Well, anyway, it. so we put that out yeah. there so everybody could hear. But you know, do it your way. Play it on alto. Play it on tenor. Play yes, it on you, very. You did uh, do it on soprano. I played it on soprano. I love it on soprano. Yeah. I also um, love it on alto as yeah. well. Yeah. A lot Play of it options. on any saxophone. She and didn't it's, specify. And it's free. Truly free. Yeah. Um. So go to the link in the show notes. Download it. And then uh, look up Jenny Watson on social media and say, thanks for writing this awesome piece. Yeah, and play it any tempo you want. She already wrote to me and said, yeah, you know, your suggestion last week about, you know, doesn't have to go that tempo is absolutely true. Just play it whatever tempo is comfortable for you. If you want to go faster, go faster. You want to go slower, go slower. Want to play one movement, play one movement. Just have fun with it. I really like the piece. And so yeah. uh, big thanks to Rulon and Key Leaves for sponsoring this great project. Yes, absolutely. And thanks to Jenny Watson for, yeah. um, I mean, this is just a world-class, amazing piece. And I'm so thrilled that she wrote it yeah, for Yeah, what a, what a lucky collaboration. And to, to start off with somebody who was just so completely on board and did and, such a great piece. It's a great yeah. kickoff piece and for it, us. Yeah, and she totally got what we were looking for. That was not academic, impossibly virtuosic music. Yeah. But not like, she didn't write a beginner so she just wrote a piece of music that works for so many people. So yeah. our adult amateur learners can enjoy yeah. it. I totally picture this. I guarantee this will be played on graduate recitals. Why not? Um, yeah, I, why I, not? And, you know, I, I just want to add that, you know, all of the really difficult academic, you know, super virtuosic music we have, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. No. But we need more music that can be played by... First of all, I could play that hard music, but I don't always want to play that all the time. So it's yeah. nice to have something, you know, that I can play without having to spend, you know, more than 20 hours practicing. That's yeah. very nice for me. I can pick it up without having to spend a month getting my chops back uh, in the shape. The other thing I love is that sometimes a tendency, and it's, it's not something wrong, but the leaders of our industries in the classical world yep. will often play pieces that their students 
you know, or that most of the populace can't play. Yeah. And I love the idea of like someone like, because I know there are people who you are their classical hero. Yeah. Um, I know no one of which I am their jazz hero, but you oh, are a classical, no, no, I'm very serious. <laughs> you are a classical icon. And so I love that you're playing pieces that someone who's been playing for a couple of years can approach. Yeah. They're not going to play it as well I as you. I love that. But well, I love that too. Hard, so Jenny Watson, I mean, totally got the spirit of, returning to the saxophone crazy, getting more people playing and loving music. Yeah, so. let's do it. Yeah, and, and, you know, let composers, you know, f- you know, use their voice and make their music. I feel like sometimes, you know, we academics push composers to write music mm-hmm. that they wouldn't if we would just stay out of their way. So I don't think it's all the composers' fault. Yeah. I do blame myself and some of my colleagues sometimes. Oh, could you write more high notes or could you make that faster? Uh-huh. Could you make, th- could you include this special effect? And it's like, yeah, maybe we don't need to push so hard on that because then the music becomes something that when I get a gig playing, you know, playing a recital in a small concert hall in the rural community where I was born and raised, I can't play those pieces. Right. Now, you can argue with me and say, well, you should play those pieces anyways. No, I don't want to beat that audience over the head yeah. with music. You need to let those people know what's good for them, Sue. It's so <laughs> arrogant. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I have played around the world enough to know that there's certain music that is good for different audiences. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. So there we go. Different. Oh, there's a British phrase that someone will correct me. Uh, (laughs) Different courses for horses, I think is the phrase. Ah, Um, which means, you know, I don't know what exactly what it means, but like you use a different horse for a different kind of, it it means different structure for different folks. Ah, yeah. But they didn't have a sitcom, you know, over there with the drumming family. Um, Anyway, so thanks. love the piece. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy it. Lots of really sweet comments already yeah. on the podcast site, but also on Facebook. So thank you. You're all so nice. Yes. Speaking of more good saxophone playing, yeah. we've got a recording in from the uh, Nexus Quartet. The, the CD that sent in from uh, Andrew Smith reached out to me, and I believe he was the first one to record uh, he was and develop. He was beautiful, the one. Beautiful, yeah, playing. beautiful yeah, playing. Beautiful playing. Absolutely. So he is an Austrian saxophonist, and they are Australian. an Austrian. Australian. Austrian. Australian. What's the difference? Well, Austria is Austria. I'm like kidding. Oh, gotcha, Sue. <laughs> Do you know there Sue are really t-shirts? thinks I'm that dumb. No, no. I don't. She does. <laughs> you know there are t-shirts that say there are no kangaroos in Austria? I believe it for people like me. <laughs> uh, Tango de Saxos. Yes. Uh, new CD from the Nexus Quartet. So the Nexus yeah. Saxophone Quartet. They've been around since, yeah. I believe, 2002. All right. So that's almost 20 years. Yeah. That's... They must have wow. been 12 when they started. Yeah, they look like very young, well-moisturized um, gentlemen. <laughs> so the Nexus Saxophone Quartet, Michael Duke, soprano saxophone, Andrew Smith, alto saxophone, Nathan Henshaw, tenor saxophone, and Jay Burns, baritone saxophone. Woohoo! Um, nice work, guys. Seriously. And this is a quartet of all tango music. Yeah. Now, the the opening piece, uh, let me find my... Um, By Aster Piazzolla, the Aster one and Pi- only. Now, and there's two books, if my memory serves... Frantically looking at my notes. Two works by Piazzolla on this CD. Actually, even three. Three. Okay. Yeah. So, what is the first one that we just listened to there? Um, Revolutionario. <laughs> Revolution. Yeah, I've, I've heard it both ways. Yeah. 
um, which I believe was a, um, arranged by uh, Yeah, that Jay was Burns. arranged by Burns. Burns. Yeah. A great yeah. arrangement. Wonderful. Oh my gosh, and the unison and octave playing that these mm-hmm. guys did tight as yeah. imaginable and so in tune. I mean, <laughs> my husband said, you think they auto-tuned that? That is so in tune. It's unbelievable. Oh, uh, busted. No, I don't think they did. <laughs> I, I don't think they no, did. I think they quartet. just have been playing together for 20 years, and they can yeah. play They can play in tune. They really Amazing. play beautifully well together. Piece. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other works. I'm, my show notes are escaping me right now. What else is on there, Sue? That oh, my we should... gosh. Well, there's... there's um, um, some other tango music or, um, that was arranged for saxophone quartet by Pontier. I apologize, if, uh, Armando Pontier, if I'm butchering these names. Um, Fernando Lerman and Francisco Canaro. But there's an original by Michael Duke mm-hmm. in the tango style. Wrote a tango, and it's called um, Who Shoes? It's I, called Los Zapatos de Roberto, and, which is Roberto's shoes. Yeah, and you can it. In, some oh, of this, this virtuosic. is stylized wow. tango dances. Yeah. St- what is a stylized dance in music, Sue? Well, in the style of, but not exactly as the original would have been. You think about all those Bach cello mm-hmm. suites. They're stylized yes. dances. Yes. So the Bach beret is a stylized beret, but you're not right. actually supposed you're to dance You're not actually it. supposed to dance to it. Which we all do on Friday night. Yes, kick we back do. some. Hey, they used to. <laughs> kick back some lemon-flavored vodka and do the beret, baby. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Wally. so these are stylized. Da- I can't. What's in your coffee this I don't know morning? what young people do these days, but <laughs> I, I like to imagine. Or, or these days are probably I just had a teacher at Northwestern who used to teach Baroque dances Sounds so that like we a, would understand the music better. Want to party with that guy. Um, so these are, a lot of these are, st- are stylized tangos, not meant to be dancing. Yeah. What, what I love about uh, Roberto's shoes um, is it, it actually feels like there's a lot of that. You could, it feels you very much like it, a dance. Yeah. Um, very fun. Yeah. And beautiful playing. Yeah. And um, one of the things I want to give these guys a compliment. Um, I like the way they play tango music. A lot of times I hear saxophone quartet musics and they try to make it over the top a jazzy because tango should be jazzy. And these guys kind of get what I would imagine. I've never been to Argentina, but it feels like a... Um, a tango flavor, but played classically with good taste yeah. and not cheesy jazzy. Yeah, no, I think they've got the style dead on. You know, yeah. some of our best friends here, Alejandro Ruti and Lorena Guilain, you know, they're they're from Argentina. The, Do you know those guys? Mm, My uh, best friends. Uh, okay, your best, best friends. Yeah. yeah, so Alejandro Ruti teaches, he's a colleague. Uh, he's yeah, a composer. Don't name it. He's we shall a not name it. We shall not name my husband. All right, we don't name the university. I still no. owe them money. Okay, <laughs> but if anyways, they want to sponsor the podcast and, no, and forgive my loans, I'll name I the university. I think the tango style. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like that for a long time at Northwestern. I'm like, they would call me asking for donations. I'm like, I will consider it once my student loans are paid off. Thank you very much. Don't call me. Yeah, I they, love they you made me dearly, pay for but... enough doctoral extension <laughs> fees that oh, I will not name I was that university. So bitter for a long. Long yeah. time. I'm only slightly. I was less so bitter. bitter I taught there for a decade. Um, <laughs> so I love. Yeah, they really get the style. Oh, I think the style's dead on. And they oh, play. It's, yeah. it's classical, but it feels yeah. like a tango. But it's not cheesy, jazzy, which I really yeah. appreciate. These yeah. guys play and blend beautifully. Oh my gosh! Um, and some of these pieces, go give a listen to the CD. Some of the pieces, really, some of them are super virtuosic. So if you've got a virtuosic group and you're looking for stuff, mm-hmm. go look up some of this music. But some of it could be played. You know, by people who don't have four hours a day to practice. 
you know, one piece in particular there, Armando Pointier, the, I can't say these things, I'm just going to be a, Milanguendo, the second track on the CD, charming, mm-hmm. upbeat, fun. Oh, totally my students. I'm totally going to check that out for my students. Yeah. yeah. A lot of really fun music. Yeah. I will say, the the program for, whenever I see like an all tango program, I kind of go like, oh. Uh, it's going to be boring Oh, no, I've got right? a thing that day. I can't go to your tango concert. Right. Uh, <laughs> this had a nice amount of variety. Yeah. Um, we get sent quite a few recordings. Some we review, some we don't. Not Not because of... No, poor playing or anything like no. that. No. But just, you know, we just don't get around to it. We don't get around to it. There's only so many this, hours in the yeah, day, Yeah, and man. this was playing in the background, and then I found myself listening and enjoying, and I was it really captured my attention from top yeah. to bottom. So seriously, uh, well done. Yeah, um, and you know, this the the last Astor Piazzolla piece they put on here, it's the Four Seasons. Mm. They added a Bandonion player and a piano player. How fun was that? Yeah, so it's... It, what's, <laughs> so I have a confession. Which piece is that that has the bend? It's the the Four Seasons. Four, yeah, it's, it's a, a, tracks eleven through fourteen. And it's got a uh, piano and a bendonion. Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. So I was listening to the recording and I didn't have the liner notes in front of me. Yeah. And I started playing. I was like, these guys sound just like an accordion. Right. And, and then I realized like it was because it was the, they actually literally had a bendonion playing but with them. What is so fun, Wally, is a lot of times in the other pieces they do also. Yeah. Sound like they get that kind of bendonion. This accordion sound. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. They really do. And do you know That's, the difference between a bendonion and an accordion, Sue? Well, the bendonion is smaller, but I don't really. Do you? Did you not, look it up? There's. I just know this. Oh, you're there's, so smart. That's why I like hanging out with the bendonion. Does not have a register key. Oh, um, I see. And you can, depending on the speed of the air, can alter the timbre of the tone. Well, you're so. And I want to make it very clear. I absolutely did not Google this right before we hit R <laughs> and recorded. I totally had this in my back pocket. So don't look at my search history to see. Actually, the the Google page is probably still up on my computer right now. This is what our listeners have grown to expect from us, Wally. Uh, this kind of in, yeah integrity in saxophonist journalism. I, oh, Lord. I love this CD a lot. I don't think this is Super on fun. streaming services. I think you can purchase it. I would recommend yeah. um, dropping a few Canadian dollars. Yes. Picking it up. Because these are <laughs> these guys are Australian. Uh, you know I what? What? Do you want to know the truth? What? It's on Spotify. I did not see this one on Spotify. I found it on Spotify. You did? Yeah. Okay. Maybe well, between when you looked and when I looked, because it's new this year. Maybe I. It's s- a brand new CD. Maybe I. No, I mean I was looking this morning. I obviously didn't. Okay. Well, then I'll oh, put a link in the. So I looked. I looked up them uh, Nexus Quartet, and then I didn't find it, and I looked up Nexus Quartet Tango on that, Spotify. Okay. And it came up. So yeah. gentlemen. Yes. Fix your Spotify links here. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you want to know, well, we'll get into this another time, like funding for musicians. I know. If you can buy... I got a penny there's, last there's week. There's great... But it's not from being a performer, it's from being a publisher. I got one penny from Spotify. Well, congratulations, One Sue. penny, yeah. So go buy it. If you, if you can afford to buy it from these guys, go buy it. They'll get a buck or two. But if you can't, just go listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. If you get Spotify. Uh, I will say the, the liner notes and the photography is really um, pretty. It's great, and you don't get that on Spotify. Nope, I like liner notes. Yep. You get a collectible, and you support musicians. So I'll put a yep. link in the show notes to buy that, and if you want to. We'll talk about yeah. funding another time. That's a great topic to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we should have a career corner segment at yep. some point. Um, I don't know that most of us realize how little money performers get from the listens that we do on YouTube and Spotify. Yeah. Like no. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll it's, talk it's about that another time. Let's talk about that, yeah. you know, making money as a musician at some point. 
Yes. <laughs> That'll be a short segment. Bring the bourbon, everyone. Yeah. Um, oh, well, before. <laughs> or, you know. <laughs> congratulations to these guys. Uh, seriously. Yes, and thank you for sending this recording. in. great recording. Yes. I've got some more cool recordings coming up. Yeah. Um, and before we get to, I, I want to put a call out to listeners to talk about next week's topic to get some suggestions in the oh, meantime. Great. Um, we need help. Um, but here's, normally I would never talk about like, Although someone's thinking, like, what kind of saxophones are they playing on? But I want to tell you. Okay, yeah. so The Soprano, um, uh, Michael Duke is playing on a Yamaha uh, 875EX with HG, which means he has a high G key. He could totally play without it, but, you know, convenience is king. Andrew yeah. is playing on a Buffet S1 alto saxophone. Um, there's a reason I'm saying this. Nathan Hinshaw is playing a Summer Series... Three, it three. says tenor. Uh-huh. A tenor saxophone. And Jay Burns, the baritone saxophone, beautiful berry sound, is playing on a Yanni Gasawa. Yeah, so, I noticed that too, Wally. That's so funny that you, cue, you cued in on that. Yeah. What I like. So we got yeah. a Yamaha buffet, Selmer, and Yanni Gasawa, yeah. two Japanese, two French. So here's the lesson to learn. You have to have Japanese saxophones on the outer voices and French saxophones <laughs> on the... No. Wally! <laughs> no, I mean like... But that was funny. Their, their blend is beautiful. Yeah. And their playing it's fantastic. is beautiful. They're four very Perfectly different saxophones. I, that buffet's probably even got the rose oh, brass. It might even be the beautiful rose one. I'm going to have to yeah, ask about we'll that. Yeah, we'll ask um, Andrew. And But they blend beautifully because it's not the horn. It doesn't matter. And I they didn't say what mouthpieces, but it doesn't matter either. People nope. always, oh, we're going to play in quartet together. We've got to play in the same saxes. I did an article for the Saxophone Journal about that once where I, I like... I interviewed a whole bunch of different saxophone quartets to ask what their equipment was. Yeah. And some played on the same stuff. Some didn't. It didn't matter. I wanted to point this out because I have known some persnickety professors that are like, well, we all need to be playing on Yamahas or we all need to be playing on Selmer so we can blend yep. our sounds together. And anytime something didn't blend, they would immediately look at the equipment. Yeah. And like, these guys prove it's all in the talent and just the hard work. What did we say earlier in this show about like having a, a, an imagination for... Yeah, you have to have the concept. The sound that you want to get, and you can get it yeah. on lots of different equipment. And these, Yeah, and these guys are proof that yes. that you have to have Japanese that's sex so ones and the outer voices. <laughs> no, I noticed it too, because, <laughs> and I think that. that's really neat. Yeah, uh, And I have so heard cool. quartets that have all of the exact same line of saxophones, like the... Brand yeah. X, Series X, and they don't blend. But yes, you know, so. indeed. But they probably get sponsoring to play on those horns. So yeah. <laughs> I wonder if these guys can get sponsoring from all four of the. We companies. should talk about what sponsoring <laughs> really means at some point because I think yeah. some people are like, oh, they're played, they're paid to play on Yamaha saxophones. Like, oh no, no, they're not. No, if they're, they're not. traveling internationally, they might get to borrow one rather than fly one. Yeah, but like we no, need to talk know, about that. Yeah, you get you get to be an artist for a, a company because you play on the stuff, and you kind of do advertising just by being out and about in the world. You don't get really Well, well, uh, well let's talk about the career stuff, but the, the, just to tease yeah. this, you need, if you want to make money as a musician, you yeah. need to have control over your own brand and publication. Yeah. Which, and when you, I know so many people think like, oh, if I could just get endorsed by XYZ company, then my career will take off. Like, no. No. <laughs> it does so much more for the company than you. In fact, yeah. Um, everyone do well. just does it because they hope that whatever company will share something you do and you'll get that dopamine hit of a couple more likes and shares and a couple yeah. more followers. It true. does nothing for your career. Um, just like if you want to make money off your recordings, you need to not have a publisher. You need to publish things yourself. You need to publish things yourself. In the yourself. 21st century, there's no reason not to have control over your own your own pipeline. Yeah. Um, but it does make you feel good to, it, to have that little stamp it, of it approval. Does. It's no. terrible. Isn't that so needy? It was... <laughs> 
I was realizing if I'm going to leave <laughs> academia, I can't starve to death. And so then well, it's like, right. do I want to endorse um, a mouthpiece brand and make someone else money or have my own where I get exactly what I want? Yeah. You know, and it actually helps support my musical mission. Yeah. So we'll talk about that more because it's interesting. And I had some really wrong ideas when I was a student and adult. <laughs> Yeah, same. Oh my gosh, yeah. That would be fun. And maybe it's it would. maybe it's interesting. Let's pull back the curtain and yeah. like and make some maybe people grimace. Maybe that's interesting for our like, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, product when you think like people are paid to play on certain equipment, unless you're Jeff Coffin or like the top top line player. Yeah. No, it's just a little bit of bragging rights. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to talk about improvisation even outside of the jazz style. Oh yeah. And why, Sue? We're going to talk about that. Oh, lots of reasons, but I've got um, a gig coming up with this band I play in called The Difficulties, and 95% of the music that we that I have to play with that band is improvised. Oh, boy. A lot of it's modal. Some of it's over, you know, kind of normal jazz-ish light changes and things like that. And some of it's kind of wacky, almost kind of like free improv a little bit, but lots of different styles. And then, you know, there there is a gig I'm going to do in September with the Duke I think it's the chapel choir where I'm going to play over a spiritual. You should probably figure that out. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so you show up on just, time. <laughs> yeah, it should be there at the right time. Going to make a recording. Yeah, I'll tell. I'll talk about that more. But anyway, it's going to be a choir singing a spiritual, and I have to improvise over the top of it. So have more you of that, that kind before? of. It's a different piece from what I played before. I don't know which piece it's going to be yet, but it's like the stuff I did before um, with the Vespers Ensemble a okay. couple of years ago, which I sent you a recording of um, way back. Our, our friend Chad Eby, I, I think he did a piece with improvised soprano and maybe it wasn't improvised in, in choir. And it was really beautiful. Yeah. I look forward to hearing you play that. Well, thank you. In a recording. I'm not Lots go of people crowds. do that. You know, like Anders Paulsen, who's a Swedish saxophonist, he does a lot of that kind of playing with okay. choir and um, jazz ish. Well, I guess it's jazz, yeah. improvisation, gospel. Kind of obligato over, you know, choir. It's never an obligation. So it's always a pleasure. <laughs> but you know, a lot of the playing that I'm doing these days requires some improvisation. It's like yikes, so out of my comfort a, zone. <laughs> I want to put a call me. out to listeners. Yeah. Uh, if you know of pieces or improvised styles you're interested in that aren't just straight ahead jazz, yeah. Let us know some of your favorite non-jazz improvisers. Oh, um, awesome. Hit us up on social media, on the Facebooks, or you can email uh, me, Wally, at thesaxophoneacademy.com, and I'll forward it to Sue. And let us know your favorite non-classical improvisers, so we can get a, a broader swath of yeah. recordings to check out. Yeah. And in the meantime... I'll come with some more ideas, too. Well, I mean, we probably should. We're hosting a podcast. And oh. That's topic. We'll, we'll uh, prepare. Yeah, we'll totally, prepare. Totally, totally yeah. prepare. Yeah. What? Five minutes, we'll do Google search and we'll do... <laughs> We'll get it figured out. See, the difference between that and the accordion, Sue, is they right. <laughs> I love it. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Take care, everyone. And, Have fun. And most importantly, practice. Go practice. Have fun. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>